Blog Talk Radio. Father calls a son. He does not leave him full of the world, of his own desires and instincts of the flesh. The father calls his son to his side, and then angels are dispatched to bring him his son. These angels know the condition the son must be in to present himself before the father. He cannot come full of himself with all of his worldly desires, his ego, lest he feel the pain of his sin and flee before even hearing his father's voice like Adam hiding from his shame. Like fine gold is refined by fire, the son is confronted by the devil face to face, just as Job faced Satan at the will of God. As Christ was tempted for 40 days prior to returning to start his ministry, Christ faced the evil one who brought the heat of the furnace to purify his heart, soul, and his mind of this world. Every calling in the Word of God for the Son of Man is the same, but manifests in different ways, but always has the same outcome. The Son of Man is finally purified, refined like fine gold, knowing his own sin and grasping the law of God so deeply that he can finally confess his unworthy stature and repent fully, completely, with a fully humble and contrite heart. Then and only then can the son approach the throne of his father. And even so, he still crawls. The fact that you are here listening to this show demonstrates that you are heeding the call. For many are called and few are chosen. Those that are chosen have to actually respond to that call. Hi, welcome to the show. Just uh, if everybody could give me a uh, heads up on chat, let me know that you can hear me okay. Just say, yes, I can hear you, and uh, that way I know that I'm live. Ah, good, good. Thanks so much. I'm waiting for Steve uh, to join. Uh, let me, I'll make him live on 218. Hey, Steve. Hey, Derek. Steve? Hey, gotcha. Derek? Yes, I hear you. Can you hear me okay? How's my Yes, I can hear you well. Uh, I don't know. Let's ask everybody out there. Let's make sure that they can hear you. Can everyone hear Steve? Testing one, two. This is Steve Olson. Yes, they can hear you. Hey, Steve, good, good. All right, so uh, I'll remove all of the testing testings out of the the, uh, show once I upload it to YouTube. Everyone, thank you very much for joining the show today. This is the uh, what I call the upper room. This is where we get to have di- discussions about um, all of the things that you want to discuss, obviously from YouTube uh, in responding to the videos. The comment sections are are great places. I, I, I've spoken to people, you know, for instance, um, uh, Dana Ashley is a person that 
you know, she she found the father through uh, the comment section on YouTube. So there's no question that the comment sections on YouTube are are very powerful. But at the same time, when someone asks me a question, and uh, Steve, I'm sure you're familiar with this, is that there is no, um, you know, we we've become the Burger King generation where we want all of our answers right now. We want it in five seconds or less. And unfortunately, the enemy of this uh, and the architect of this matrix did not make things so easy. And we have many thousands upon thousands of years of integrating the deception and the lies and the twisting of the truth. There is no such thing as a quick answer. And so answering a question inside uh, the comment section on YouTube is just not adequate. And, And quite honestly, neither is this. This is why um, this is why we're called disciples, right? Disciple means one under discipline. So it's it takes tremendous discipline to seek these truths, and you're you're never going to find everything. What you're seeking and what you need to seek is the peace within you. And then once you have that, you're not in a rush to receive it, anything. You you begin to understand Father's timing and how perfect it is, and he'll show you as you need. He will never give you more than you can handle. He will never um, not give you the answers that you need. So if you're not getting the answer that you feel that you need, change the question, because he knows far more about you than you can imagine. And so most of the time our question will be based on something that is irrelevant. I can't tell you how many times, Steve, that I get questions about something where somebody wants a detail about scripture and they're completely focused on it and it might be you know uh something as as simple as you know why did peter cut off the the right ear of the servant of of caiaphas now there is a great story to that and a great explanation that i can get into it at length um but 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 is it going to help you so this is where i always encourage everyone when it comes to your questions What's actually going to help you find the peace? Because once you find peace, then you can start addressing the questions that are necessary. But finding the, finding the peace and in things um, in you, inside of yourself is so critical first. Don't worry about these distractions. The testimony that I posted yesterday was, was amazing that he realized that the distractions of, this, of the truth movement, of going after the, the conspiracies, because they're, they're definitely there. But somehow he felt that exposing those conspiracies would solve anything. And if you really think about it, what, what's it going to solve? We can, we can expose all of the ugly truths of this world, but clearly the people have become um, the paper tiger. right? They, they don't have a bite because they're not willing and they're not able, for whatever reason, to collectively come together at one time and – by the way, that'll get shut down by the government pretty quick to come against those powers, those factions that are creating the oppressive, uh, the oppressive systems. So, you know, what is it that you're attempting to solve? The only way you're going to solve anything is by changing your heart and changing your mind, changing yourself and collectively doing that. Because once you do that, the system is no longer going to be conducive with the way that you think or feel anymore. And so you're not going to participate in it. If you want to take the system's system of evil down, then you, then you need to find that peace in yourself and understand that fleeing from it is the single greatest thing that you can do. But that isn't, that isn't uh, me saying, hey, flee the system right now and sell all that you have. 
That is the answer. But that's not for everybody. That has to be a call from the Father, not from me. I can say, sell all, sell all, give everything to the poor, and come out and join me. And that might be the right answer, but it might not be the right answer for you. Because if you're not prepared for that, and you haven't prepared yourself, and you don't want to flee those things, then um, once your faith fails you, you're going to blame me for saying it. So this is the blame game that we get into in this in this world that you know everything is somebody else's fault. I mean, this is not to not to uh, emphasize on this guy, but just think about the culture that we've become. I was recently have a conversation explaining the culture of how we. You know how somebody will say, you're brainwashing people. Now, it's amazing to think about that statement, Steve. When we were talking about sovereignty, uh, we've talked about sovereignty many times. Think about how ridiculous it is that somebody would say, you're brainwashing people. They immediately remove the sovereignty of the person that is receiving the message. So basically, if I say something that changes somebody else's mind, I'm responsible for it rather than the person that changed their mind. It's kind of like Charles Manson. Might have been a might have been an ugly guy. I'm not going to even judge him. But Charles Manson was put in prison for life and died in prison for things he never actually did. He convinced other people to do things and never told them go murder them. They basically made those judgments on themselves. It's truly remarkable to read the read the testimonies that other people had these ideas in their heads, but yet he's the one that went to prison for it. So we do put p- people in prison. We do execute people for things that they say, not what they do. And the incredible part is is that we are okay with blaming the person. The reason why is there is an acknowledgement in and in in an, of that act. The statement that somebody says, you're brainwashing people, and makes it my responsibility and not the person receiving the messages that they can make a decision on their own, that they put that on me for saying it. They are essentially... Uh, admitting that they belong to a matrix system where they are fully programmed. They are fully programmed. And so they're saying, hey, you are outside of the matrix. You are talking outside of the matrix, and you're using the programming system of the people to bring them out of the matrix. They're admitting everything we say in those accusations, but yet they see it as being godly by saying you're doing something to these people. The reality is, just like Christ said, is that you will know them by their fruit. Make the tree bad and its fruit bad, or make the tree good and its fruit good, because a tree cannot produce, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. If the people that are listening to you and I, Steve, are giving testimonies like that gentleman yesterday, that nothing in his life, not Christianity, not any previous religion, not any of the uh, indoctrinations that they've been sold, nothing has ever given him the peace that he has with what he's heard. And not just that, that he found through the teaching that all of the answers he needs, all of them, lie in the gospel. Now, that's amazing that, that you, Steve, or I would be called a heretic when the people are actually reading the Bible. People that have never picked up the Bible before are reading it, and people that have thought they were Christians their entire life, and thought they knew the entire story of Jesus, or Yeshua, or Jesus. They, they thought all of these things, and now they understand the word entirely differently. They're seeing the truth in it, and now for the very first time, for the first time in their lives, it makes sense. And for the first time in their lives, 
they're feeling what Christ promised. And for the first time in their lives, they're seeing what Christ said it was going to happen happening. It's truly remarkable that even his prediction of saying those, those out there, these people will persecute you. They'll try to kill you, and they will even kill you and call it doing the work of God. And that is exactly what happened well, today, the that people want to question, come and attack you. No, no. The question that we started out with, right, was are we – we are looking – and we have discussed pretty radical ideas that differ with Judeo-Christian, Muslim, uh, the Abrahamic faith um, in a great way, okay? It's, it's did Derek and Steve reject – no – did Derek and Steve adjust their faith when they were given data and data points that pointed to a different reality? Yes. Did we abandon the scriptures? No. Did we divide the word a little bit better? Maybe. Let me give you an example. The word heretic definition right from the dictionary is a professed believer who maintains religious opinions contrary to those accepted by his or her church or rejects doctrines prescribed by that church. Two, um, anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. Okay? And to be in the truth movement itself, Derek, to be in the truth movement itself makes you a heretic by definition. Because what the truth movement is, is really a collection, a collective of people that are acknowledging the conspiratorium. I like the word conspiratorium. It's a, it's a fancy sounding word. But where there really is a conspiracy. And your friends, I think, you told me this story. That your Anon friends, the people that were, you know, dedicated to exposing, you know, truths through their capabilities and abilities to find information online, etc., all came to the same conclusion that there's a great conspiracy afoot, right? But yeah. then where do you go from there? And, you know, and, and we at WSO and you um, with your various media platforms, you know, what we're trying to say is there is a stepping off point here to say once you've seen the pigsty, we talk about the prodigal son all the time, and I know people are going to get sick of us here and talking to us. Let's talk about this. But we really felt that the metaphor that that represents is the exact thing that we saw as we came into the truth movement, the corruption, the, the, the pedophilia, the violence, the, um, the conspiracies and wars and all of the things that we thought we knew the truth about, World War II being a great example. You know, I always thought World War II was an honorable cause uh, to put down Nazi, you know, aggression and so forth. And, yes, to a certain extent that was true. But then when you find out how it was financed and how there, how there were families that financed both sides of the war and things like that, it leads to this uh, – it should lead to nihilism, right? Because you, 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 yep. you're, you're a patriot. I was raised a patriot, you know, American flag in one hand, gun and fishing pole in the other, right? And I was taught – I salute. I went in the military. I did my service. I was an American, true blue, 100%, believed everything that the government said, you know? And mm -hmm. all of a sudden I had to go through this process of, of, the, of the, you know, like all truthers have to do. I don't care what ask political or ask 
astronomical or cosmic or biblical or theological or philosophical, whatever truth, uh, conspiratorium entry point you came into the truth movement, you have you have had to come to some uncomfortable um, forks in the road, let's call them, right? Where you had to say mm-hmm. either I'm going to hold on to a BS lie or I'm going to have to embrace the truth. Let me give you a great example. 9-11 was really a hard pill for me to swallow, Derek, Derek Rose. I mean, to, to really come around to realize the, the enormity of such a conspiracy, when I truly bought the hook, line, and sinker, the narrative that was given to me in 2001, right, as a fundamentalist Christian, mm-hmm. it just blew my mind. When I had to, when I had to face that truth, that wow, that they would actually have a lie, they'd be willing to engineer their script and their narrative at the cost of so many lives and so many people, was just horrifying. And the process of discovering the truth is this ripping away of these lies that we've sometimes we've held on to as sacred cows. Let's say, Derek, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so now let's get around back around to are we being heretics when we say things like we look at maybe the, the Garden of Eden from a different perspective. And people have really come out, Derek, and, and been very critical of things that you and I have said about the Garden of Eden and the theology that comes with current events and all the things that we tie into it, theologically speaking, right? And yeah. when we start to actually start to touch some of those sacred cows in Christianity, our our home religion, let's call it, right? Or the and, and it's as equally offensive to a Muslim or as it is equally offensive to a Jewish person. When we start to actually start picking things apart and start to see, oh my gosh, was I said a line when it re, when it relates to the story like the Garden of Eden to be a heretic and buck the the narrative that's been handed down to us through our various religious and cultural belief systems, right? Is it okay to question that kind of mm-hmm. thing? Derek, I'll just turn it back over to you because I, I really think that this Garden of Eden is the one story that really throws people for a loop because that's where we get the biggest heretic label when we talk about that. Well, sure. I think, um, first of all, if you, you what you were saying is bucking the system, right? So those that were bucking the system – that we're saying, hey, all of these religious beliefs that you have, all of the doctrines that you have, all of the way that you've understood the law within scriptures, everything about what you think has been distorted and has become a lie. It could be still told to you like it's true, and you can read the scriptures, and you can see how it might be true, even if it's a little confusing. That is precisely what Yeshua did. Everything he did was taking the scriptures when they said, you know, we want to kill you, he said, are you, what are you trying to kill me for? Because, um, and they said, we're, not for the good works we're trying to kill you, but we want to kill you because you, calling you the Son of God, have made yourself God. And then he brings them the scripture, their own law. And he says, Does, is it not written in your law that ye say ye are sons of God and that ye are gods? And so the the whole point in that is he was bringing up they're either ignoring their own law and bringing it up that I, he's saying, I am a son of God. I am a deity. If I am actually his son, your law says so. Just because you choose to ignore it doesn't mean that it's not true. 
So the same applies to Scripture today, particularly about the Garden of Eden. So to say that he was the serpent, but to also ignore the law, to ignore the Scriptures in order to make your understanding of the narrative true, when it says that Satan exalted himself on high, setting himself on the throne, calling himself God. Well, there isn't anywhere in the Scripture, nowhere, where Satan is called God in the Scriptures. So you have to ask yourself, if the Scripture says that he calls himself God, well, where is it that he calls himself God? Because I don't see it. Then you have to begin to understand that in the Scripture itself, he calls himself God. Because this is his world. So he can change the pages and change the writings, but he can't change the truth. All he can do is manipulate. Oh, no, because which is, this, is the, this is the importance of this character, Yeshua, uh, commonly known as Jesus, okay? That's one mm-hmm. of the important aspects of, of what, he, what he did. Even when he came, the message to the shepherds was, uh, was, was something like goodwill towards men. Peace and goodwill towards men. That was the message from heaven, from the Father, right? Right from day yep. one on his existence on the earth, it was, a, it was a cry of peace, a cry of goodwill, a cry of love to the human race, because that was the true highest creator. And our problem in this discussion about the Garden of Eden, going back to your point, which is he makes himself G-O-D, but yet you don't see the scriptures talk specifically about him in that light. But how many times do we the word G-O-D translated in the Old Testament? And in, when that G-O-D comes into play, it comes in as a plural in certain places, like it's us. And then in other places, it comes in with the wrong attributes because this character, Yeshua, when he came, his whole ministry was to show us what the Father was really like. Because if you look at Jesus and you look at Yeshua, you're supposed to see the Father. That's what they said in the scripture. So I see him. I see his, what he did. I see his words. And he was explaining to us what the Father was like. And the Father, and in his attributes and the definition of love, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 13, all of that, all of those attributes were, was, was the Father, who Jesus called, Yeshua called the Father. And none, and none mm-hmm. of those attributes were murder. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament. None let's of- see a place where a G-O-D commits murder. Can we find any places like that in the Old Testament? Every- yeah, I can find one. Everywhere. I'll, I'll give you one. Yeah, I'll, it's all through, but I'll give you one big one. When Joshua and the, and the children of Israel came into the um, lands of Palestine, Israel, and they ran into these these um, these Nephilim tribes, you know, tribes of you know who knows what they were. I mean, and but there were people that were living there, and the order was to slay them, flee, no quarter. And that was a God that told them to do that. Now tell yeah. me, Derek. Does that match with the attributes that Yeshua uh, said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount? No, of course not. And that's the, that's the entire point, is that if you don't know, like I've continuously said, Steve, when it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and then all of these things will be added unto you. When you find the Father and you understand the attributes of the Father and you read Yeshua's words and you understand who the Father is, you fully grasp that he isn't any of those attributes that are the enemy. And you can also then say – then people would say to me, so you're saying that David was evil. Um, did David, David do evil? It will, if, if the enemy took God's name, then basically God is going to be the real God. The Father is going to be commanding that David do some things, and this is the man after the Father's heart. This is where David um, – the king is challenging David, right? The king, the king doesn't like David, even though David has made his kingdom, right? So he has made his kingdom. But he's jealous of David because the, the people are celebrating David being this great warrior. And the king comes out to kill David. David doesn't kill the king, which he can. And, by the way, he could completely take the king's throne, but he doesn't because he's humble. So he's exhibiting the, the qualities, the natures, the attributes of the father. Instead, he just cuts his robe. He sneaks up on him in the woods and cuts his robe to let him know he was there. And, and to leave him a message saying, but I love you. I serve you. Why, would, why do you want to hurt me? So he's, he is exhibiting those attributes. But then he does something that's really, really awful that really makes the father angry, which is he counts the people. And there's only one reason why you count people. That's called a census, and that's for taxation. So that angers the father, right? But yet he does also go into villages and kill everything that creeps and crawls. So David is just because he's spoken of as being a child of God and being a servant of the Father doesn't mean that he doesn't exhibit the same issues that you and me and every one of us have, Steve, that he right, also which is, has, has a problem with yeah. this flesh. So the whole point is when you want to make David a deity, right, and you say, oh, well, the Son of Man comes um, in the lineage of David. Well, that's because David has the lineage of the father in him, that he has that within him, in his DNA, and that the, the son will rise from that DNA, from that understanding, from, from that quality in David, from that very spirit. So this is, this is a, where, where people read the word. When you've you got to humanize David, you have to humanize Solomon. You have to bring these down to your level because they are just like you. They are not better than you. They are the same as you. And that's precisely right. what Yeshua would come and say. He would say, die to the flesh, and you'll die to the enemy, and you'll know only the Father. And so – but let me go back to this because this is going to be important. I don't want to get off track because we were uh, – we, um, you, you basically wanted to uh, talk about the, the specifics of the Garden of Eden because that is, that is still the very, very same thing. Now, I can tell you this right now. The detractors, the one that have a real issue with that and call you or I heretics about that very subject, are never going to accept the truthful answers. So with that said, I'm still going to say them. I will always speak the truth regardless of whether it's going to make you happy. When somebody writes me or sends me a message or a comment on YouTube and says, you know, I don't like your message. It was too harsh. It was, that's precisely why the church is messed up today for people just like that, that the pastors – want to then begin to, because they don't like the, the conflict that they have of their parishioners calling them and saying, I don't like that you were angry on the pulpit. You don't get to decide those things. Otherwise, that pastor now ceases telling you the truth, and he speaks to you for your tickling ears, right? He's going to tickle your ears and tell you the teachings that you want to hear, just exactly like Scripture says. So if sometimes you don't like what I have to say, I'm sorry. 
it's what I'm asked to say, and it's not up to me, well, and it's again, not up to you. Yeah, yeah it, unless we sound defensive, right? It's not about being defensive or not defensive. It's like, okay, so there were some problems as a, as a theologian, as a person that has deeply studied the Derek, I'm not a novice. People assume I haven't read the Bible. You know, it's like, no, I, 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 I in fact, when I first came to know Christ, 30 years ago, what happened was it seemed like the Father put me into every single angle or aspect and made me try it on for the course of the first, like, five years of it. So I was with the Fundamentals Baptist, then I was with the Nazarenes, and I was with the Seventh-day Adventists, then I got ordained in the Pentecostal kind of tradition and blah, blah, blah. I went through all these different things, but there were these nagging issues like the story told about the, the Nephilim, right? Like Joshua and the, and the children of Israel just wiping everybody out, right? Taking them all out. Um, those kinds of things that just nagged at me, right? Just nagged at me. Like, even when I had come to the revelation of grace, similar to Martin Luther, which was my first, because once I learned that the Father was approachable, that was the first step, right? So if anybody's out there asking, well, how I, you know, you talk about talking to the Father and everything, the first step to talking to the Father is you got to have a Captain Dan moment. You've got enough, enough, enough BS. I want an honest, toe-to-toe, face-to-face relationship with the Father created universe, and I will settle for nothing less until I get it. And it is a, it is a, uh, it is a, what's called a earnest prayer of a righteous man. Because righteousness is not necessarily the fact that you're going to be behaving righteously. It's the fact that you righteousness that makes you righteous and that you truly mm-hmm. want that in your heart. And I can remember saying to the father, um, as I was going through this process of learning how to go toe to toe and understanding the great message. Okay. And that great message was basically that it's whatever favor you're going to get from the father. It's nothing has nothing to do with what you've done or didn't do. He loves you just the way you are. Now, you are the one who has to pick your address. That's how much he loves you. He'll give you complete freedom of choice, so respectful, so loving, another attribute of the Father. But you don't, when you get to know him, you've got to go toe-to-toe with him and ask the deep questions. When you start asking those deep questions, the scriptures tell us that if you earnestly seek God, you will find him, okay? Period. Mm-hmm. It, it, he, the Father is findable. All right, so now the Father starts to help me with these very difficult verses of the Old Testament. How could you even let this happen to these guys? Why would you even let this happen? And I've heard every story under the book about the Garden of Eden there. Well, the Lord has this larger purpose that you don't understand and I don't understand. Well, I never understood why you'd let a serpent in your garden in the first place. How's that, big fella? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't understand how you could how you could lose Adam somehow. Like, remember? Mm-hmm. Adam, where are you? Oh, I yeah. can't find them. They're hiding. Or oh, I have to get, I have to make skin. What? Look, and then he kills an animal and sews together some clothing for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So where I'm going with this is like I, it, it, the idea of an all-loving, omnipresent, omni-everything, all-being, creator, original thought, light, that God, that God, that Father that I'm talking about, that being, right, 
It doesn't seem like, right? You'd be- well, yes. And, and this is the problem with this, is that if, if everyone does not, if they don't read the Bible, and they don't understand that the Bible is an extremely condensed version, extremely condensed version of the whole story, uh, then, then I don't know what to do with somebody that, that says, oh, it's all there. If it's all there, that flies in the face of our critics that say, you know, the, the, we don't have words to divide if we don't have the word. And I'm here to tell you that Genesis is 100% is the way it happened. I don't deny that at all. I don't deny it go down the way it went down, okay? What I'm saying are, who are the characters really? That's all I'm asking. Who, who are, are they really? really the and, and what are the greater details? For instance, Noah, right? If you think the destruction of the world... Okay, if you open if you open the word right now, you open the Bible and you look at how big the story is of Noah. Okay, God de- God chooses to destroy the world and save just these people. Yet the only explanation as to why he's saving the people of Noah and his family is that he was righteous and that he was without blemish. Um, which which uh, according to the story um, that uh, according to the story of Noah being drunk with his daughters. Um, after the fact and being hammered after after making it grow in his own wine doesn't kind of speak to this righteousness. Like so he doesn't seem like this perfectly godly man that's walking around in these white robes and, you know, with, with trumpets playing wherever he goes. So the reality of it is that is an entirely an incredibly compressed story of the whole story. That Noah, number one, wasn't his real name. His real name was Zeasudra, which you have to get into the Sumerian documents to understand who he is and to understand the destruction of the earth and what took place and why it took place. And who was it that smelt the, the burning flesh that Noah was making a sacrifice on the mountain after the fact? So to, to go into the details of this, yes, the Bible contains all of the truth. But it is highly compressed, and if you don't know the character of the name that is calling himself God, considering that everybody called themselves God. It's kind of like in the days of Yeshua, where if you were married, your children and your wife and everyone called you Lord. So everybody was Lord. So how do you pick out which Lord is which? So if everyone is called Lord, who truly is the Lord, the King of Kings? So, um, well, let me come at Let me come at everybody. If everybody at that time believed and everybody exalted these deities or these characters as gods, and so they're written as God, how do you differentiate between one or the other? And that's the crux of the story because, Steve, the Garden of Eden contains two gods, it doesn't contain one, and this is their problem. That's why the serpent, being a god, was actually allowed in the garden because he had authority. He had authority to be there. He couldn't be removed. So between these two, immediately, that, that, that immediately opens up a problem with, if the serpent was, just to answer your question, Steve, if the serpent was allowed in the garden, why was he allowed? Because the God that called himself God wouldn't, couldn't deny him access. And that's because they were equals. Now, if you understand the Sumerian text, which Genesis was based off of, that was two brothers, and both of them are considered gods. They just had different authority over different things, kind of like if you have two people that run 
a, a business, you have a CEO and you have a CFO. Does the CEO make a financial decision based on very specific numbers? No, the CFO does that. They have two very different authorities in the entity made. So one of the gods had a very different well, authority. Well, again, now here we go again, though. So this is this is the problem now. This, this is this is the place where where now we're going to divide a little bit. We start to get into dividing. And I would bring your mind to, if you're a Star Wars fan, it was the same theme that we saw when the uh, we remember it was the it was the clones versus the robotic armies that the you know so it was basically the AI versus the Clone War, right? And you sure. thought the good guys, mm-hmm. you, you thought you had the good guys nailed, right? It was the good guys, clones, Jedi, and then all of a sudden you find out it was a big trick. Both sides were bad. Both of them were bad. Both of them were the bad guy. Both of them were working against you. Both of them were under the Emperor's control. That's what we're saying happened there. So it wasn't, neither one of them was the father of the universe. Neither. See what I'm no. saying? And, that, and, and that's evident because... Christ says that the Father is spirit. So if the Father is spirit, where is he walking in the garden? And does he even need to walk? So that should no. – these are the types of things – yeah, that's, these are the types of things. If he is omnipresent, then what's he doing walking? If he's omnipresent, what's he doing sewing together clothing in, in people's opinions and the way that they're taught, sewing together clothing for Adam and Eve? Let me tell you something about that just to help everybody understand. The skin that was put on them – is the skin that's on your body because prior to that they were a different being so the reality is they uh the 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 threat that the one god said to adam and eve said you can eat of all of these trees in the garden except for that tree and that tree is the tree of knowledge of wisdom right so the tree of knowing of knowing who you are what you are and what you can do before that, they were basically just naked slaves, there for the purpose of the god to tend his garden. So the enemy of that god was his brother god, who he calls the serpent. Now, the amazing thing is, is that he calls him the serpent, right? And he says, I'll put you on your belly. But the reality is the dragon is the other god. He's got the feet, so you've got a dragon and you have a serpent. He demonizes the serpent throughout all history, ancient history, when you get into this. It's the dragon that's truly evil, and it's the serpent that is the bringer of consciousness and righteousness and peace and love. So all ancient cultures share the same thing. This is where you find this. This is why I'm saying that the God that you are actually worshiping, This God of Yahweh, this God of Jehovah, is this God walking in the garden. That God walking in the garden has a real problem with the other God because he has different skills and different talents. This is also likens to the same thing of Cain and Abel. So you get these, you get this replication. There is nothing new under the sun. Where does this story come from? There is nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah, When I say that, when, when the word says that, yeah, when the word says that there is nothing new under the sun. It means that, that the same situations that those two had in the garden are the same situations that Cain and Abel had, are the same situations that you have, 
that you have righteousness in you and you have unrighteousness in you. You have both of these components, and that came as a result of that situation in the garden. But right. neither but of them th- are the Father. Neither. Right, right. And that's that's the, that's and this this can only be derived. This is why it's true. It takes a truth or a heretic, okay, if you will, to learn this stuff. Because in order to get to that, you have to go back to the Sumerian cuneiform guys. And the Sumerians called that called those two char- characters Anyol and Enki. Yeah, yes. And that's the kind of stuff that you got to deal with when you're a truther. Because you, you don't get a chance to run away from that. That's, those are older uh, uh, scriptures than the Hebrew Torah and uh, certainly of the Christian scriptures that we read today. And we find out that all those stories came from that's the That's what I'm talking about. When I say you come, when you're going to be a truther and you're going face-to-face with the Father and you've got this honest relationship with the Father going, like the one I'm describing where you can just be totally honest with him the, the way – but you have, and this goes back to things that Derek's talked about before. For you to get to that point, you really need to understand that he's, that grace exists. That's what the whole, you know, Jesus dying was about. Was that your your father would would rather things to get through to you, including take on this form and be beaten to death. Okay, <laughs> that's how much he loves you. Grace is the is the permission to go talk directly to him. That's why Luther was considered a heretic, Derek. Martin Luther, he was yeah. the first one to come up with that idea. Remember, he nailed it on the church in Trier in Germany, yep. and then he became a hunted criminal, <laughs> right? Because he so dared, he dared the, the established narrative of the church at that time, the Roman Catholic Church, that that you could actually talk to the Father yourself and you didn't need somebody else to talk to him because that grace was available to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he and he was pull, and he was and he was pulling that yeah, and he was pulling that understanding from John Wycliffe. So right. even prior to that, the first assemblage of the first assemblage of the scriptures was was John Wycliffe. So he's the first one so that assembled the scriptures get... because at the time the Roman Catholics wouldn't allow even anybody to have them. They could only because they would say you're not allowed to. You only can be taught this. So they were already formulating at that time the way that you understood them. They this this is what I try to say that the deception of this. Look, when when Christians say there's a great deception to come because Revelation speaks of it. The great deception to come is just a secondary form of 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 deception. Because if there were, if there was no deception about scriptures, right? If there was nothing wrong with the way that anybody understood scripture at the time, then Christ came for no reason at all. His entire purpose, his entire reason, was to point out all of the deception that was already in place. Now, everything that he was telling you about the deception in scripture then is the same deception and the exact same things that the church is trying to tell you today. They haven't deviated from the, from the uh, Judaic traditional teachings of the Old Testament then. They haven't changed and altered it one iota. They stick to it yeah, and people, tooth and nail. Jesus said when he said, you know, when he said the, the world was judged already, he said it's already been judged. It's, look, it's already, it's already like, I already judged it and said no. 
this is not the way my universe works, <laughs> right? It's already judged, guys. It's judged already. He came as a rescue mission. He came to say, look, if you want off this crazy train called the world, self-trust, self-love, you know, the whole, the whole model of what the world is, which is all created through this whole process of creating man and woman. The whole thing is the world. That's what he was talking about. That's been judged. Yeah, Not now, acceptable. now, Steve, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring something. I'm gonna bring something in right, right here that'll probably jar you a little bit. Um, the the Hebrews today use a very different calendar and a very different way of telling time. We are given a calendar where we can. Where, where we can indiscriminately change the time zone, right? So when the government decides, oh, it doesn't work economically, we're going to change the hours in the day. So we don't even know what date it is. We do not know the true date. In fact, that, that history can be so rewritten and so altered by changing the present-day understanding of what it is that if you weren't – if you weren't the top of the Hebrews that were watching the stars, you wouldn't actually know what date it was. So today we live in a system very different because if you look at all the prophecies and these people, believe me, these prophets and the people, even John from in Revelation, they knew the stars far better than we do today, far better. So the reality of it is they're giving you a timeline based in the stars. Why? Because they're telling you what you'll see because they had already monkeyed with the calendar. They had already told you different times, but they can't change the celestial bodies. They can't change the real clock, the real time. And that's why John was giving you these celestial components to understand precisely what time it was. When Christ said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days, well, you can't ignore the parts of the scripture. If the timing of everything is given to you, that every day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day, then we're in the age of 3,000 years right now, not 2018. So the reality is the way that the celestial systems are working, Christ is risen right now. Right well, now. No, and that, not right, not, and not that, three that, days after the fact of being killed. That is a pagan no. institution right there. Again, this goes back to the celestial uh, observations of our friend Naughty Beaver. And that's what's so compelling about what he talks about because he is able to triangulate the, again, not looking at the calendar date, not looking at the, you know what I mean, the computer daylight time, you know, um, management of all people time, management of all computers time, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so somebody's trying to call me. I'm big, I, that's why I got distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, my, my apologies. So take me on that thought again there, Derek. I, I, I got totally distracted just now. I'm sorry. About celestial that. bodies, celestial bodies. See how many distractions there are in the world. The enemy is wonderful at that, isn't he? Um, see the, the no, celestial okay, bodies right. and the timing of the it. Solid, okay. To the naughty beaver. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, so Naughty Beaver points out to us that there's one celestial sign, the one that was on September uh, 21st, 2017, which I concur, was the one, like, kind of, this is one of the beautiful little, like, milestones in Scripture that basically say this, this one starts the clock, and there's nothing that they can do to stop us seeing that 
celestial alignment because it happens. So yeah. that did set up, and that's what's so refreshing about Naughty Beavers. Now we're trying to see, well, what are the implications of the seven-year period, and did we hear the right story about the tribulation? Did we hear the right story from our religious, um, you know, the religious narrative that was now we find out was fed in by the Masons and people like Albert Pike and people like that? Yeah, I'm going to question the narrative. Heck yes, I'm going to question the narrative. Because I'm starting to find out the narrative has been manipulated through the century. But one thing you can't manipulate is Virgo with Jupiter. <laughs> you out. can't. You, you cannot can't. change these things. And this is this right. is why they did it. Look, understand that the the writers were desperately, desperately trying to tell you what was coming. So they were giving you celestial clocks because the deception was so great and so grand. And and let's let's recall that when the Pharisees said to, said to Yeshua, they said, we want to see a sign from you. And he said, there will be no sign except the sign of Jonah. And he spent three days in the belly of the whale. And the Son of Man will spend three days in the heart of the earth. In the heart of the earth, Middle Earth. Right? So three days there, that during that transition, during this period, that we have put a clock on things. We think of things, we think of time as being 3,000 years. But the reality is that time is an illusion that mankind has created. Just like Einstein says that, that the past, the present, and the future all take place at simultaneously. It's all one big event. It's not, it's not over the period of time. We've created the clock. We've created the time precisely so you're asking. So we think about um, it, it, it supplies the system that we have this urgency, urgency to do something. We feel like we're running out of time. We feel like that, that something can be changed. But the reality is the word says there is nothing new under the sun. All of these things are set to take place. When I encourage you to rest in the Father and to rest in these things, the illusion is, is that you can alter anything. You can't change anything. You don't control anything. You think you control. All you can do is make yourself miserable. And that is the energy that the enemy wants. That's the whole point. You give in to all of these things and you create in yourself the misery that the enemy needs in order to make you a viable food for him. Yeah, and, and that the clock, and that conflict the you, you know that is. No, and again, look at how the, the narrative of the common narrative of the Garden of Eden feeds that very story. It's the it's the positive and the negative poles with the ether in between. It's 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 creating dualism so that energy is created to eat. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. Now, look, I've been studying this stuff for a long time. I, you can come at me with every Bible story, and that and, and you're not gonna you're not gonna find one I haven't heard. I don't think. Maybe you will. But it's hard to believe that you come at me with a Bible story. That makes more sense to me than when you fill in the blanks with the Sumerian cuneiform, as translated by the Oxford University. I'm not talking about Sitchin. Sitchin. I'm talking about the Oxford University. You clearly see that there is dualism all up and down the system created by a group of Elohim led by a one that his name was Angel. You start to really yes. start to plow into this stuff, and you start to see that you, you, everything starts to make sense. It starts to come together. And then yes. it's an, then, anu, yeah, an, anu as an Anunnaki. Correct. And if you look at it from a Gnostic perspective, which I've looked at, looked at it from a Hindu Vedic perspective, I've looked at it from a Buddhist perspective, 
I've looked at it from all these, tried them all on, man, seriously. And the story that falls out of all of that, including David Icke and all those guys, is that a very malicious group has come in and has basically you know, tried to steal, steal your soul, right? Steal you and eat you. Yes. And Charlie, sorry about that. Sorry about that, Eric. Yep. <laughs> Just a demonstration of the uh, of what go through every day, guys. Trying to try to talk about this stuff. So sorry about that. So, so where no, I'm coming no back to so, is the, no, I'm coming ahead. back to like the Gnostics and their demiurge. Charlie, you have to stop, bud. That's not no more. So you go back to the Gnostics and their and their demiurge this, that that fits that whole that whole story. And you start to pull this thing. You start to pull this thing apart. You start to divide the word. But there's good news through this. See, first, like I was saying when I first exposed the Vesica Pisces a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> not exposed it because Jonathan Kleck's done a lot of work on it. And I have to shout out to him. As as it's hard to listen to a lot of what Jonathan Kleck says because it's so brutal. Okay, brutal truth. Okay, <laughs> and because it's. Yep. it's it's going. It's going back to the whole pro, the idea of procreation. The whole idea of male and female was a design that was not of the father. That's yeah. where it leads you. And this is this is this is so disturbing. I get it. It's like you mean everything I've ever been born to believe and look at as being too good and honest. The cycle of life, for example, we've been taught it's beautiful. It's horrible. Everything dies. Everything has to eat everything else. It's a, it's a, it's a survive, dog eat dog, survival of the fittest. Yeah, it's all true, man. This system from top to bottom is horrible. Mm-hmm. Death is horrible. How did we get to the point where we thought that death was beautiful? Well, and the amazing thing is, is that Yeshua was very poignant to let you know that this isn't life. This is death. Okay, you cannot be born into sin because sin, according to Scripture, is death. So the reality is he was telling you, in fact, he was screaming at you that you've been born into death and that a seed must die, go into the ground and die before it can grow and become a tree that bears fruit. So he's no, giving you a pro- spiritual reality and a physical one. Right. And he's this giving is you where both you get into, there, Steve. Yeah, this is where you start getting into what we were then discussing this last week, which is this is the whole wineskin, you know, old. You, you cannot put new wine into old wineskin parable, right? And so yeah. here we are. We're faced with this new wine of the Father at through the words of Yeshua, and He helped us to understand and see what the Father looked like. Right? That was His mission, the Christ. And yes. we we learned that the Father was love, and that new wine does not go into that old Sumerian creation myth very well, does it, Derek? It no. doesn't fit in there. Jesus made the parallel between death and sin. They are the same thing. The fact that you see life and death cycle where you live in this reality is proof that you live in sin. Sin and death are the same thing. Same. Yes. And we the know wages of sin is death. Yes. So you're already born into it. 
You cannot avoid it. The only way to be without sin, as Christ explained, is to die to this world. Die to everything that you think that you know. I don't understand how Christians out there do not understand the words of Christ. When he said, deny yourself, die to yourself. For he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will find it. It's a paradox. It's truth back. It's true backwards and forward. He who finds his life will lose it. So he who finds his life in the Father will lose his life in the world. He's not speaking physically, but yet physically it can happen. But he who finds his life in the Father will lose everything about this world that he thinks, right? And he who finds his life, who finds his life in this world, if you think this world is life, well, you're going to lose your true life. And so that's and what it also, that's it, what also the, it also it also informs the parable of the of the coin and the parable of the of parables of the kingdom of heaven that, that that Yeshua talked about. So when he said, "When you find the kingdom of heaven, it's like a pearl that you find in a field, and you will sell everything to buy that field so you can get the pearl because it's that good." He gave up his whole fortune to get that pearl. That's how good the kingdom of heaven is. That's how good it is, okay? Because yes. once you see that this whole life-death cycle is a delusion, that this is something that God the Father created. And the F- Father has nothing to do with death, my friends. Nothing. No, and when, and when the Father, when you find the Father and the Father calls you, right, and you find him, the immediate response that you have, this isn't me telling people, sell all you have. Yeshua said that, sell everything you have, give it away to the poor. He didn't say sell everything you have and give it to me. He said sell everything you have and give it away to the poor, right? So give it away to them so that they might see Christ in you, but give it away to them and follow me. Now what he's talking about there is what happens when you find the Father. When you do, immediately you see that the things that are binding you to this world is everything that you own. You've got garages and houses filled with crap. You've got stuff. You're, you're saving up stuff. You're, and, and now the parable of him saying that you know, the, the, uh, the, the man goes and sells and stores up all the grain and says, build me new barns and I can store up all my grain and then lost his life. And none of the stuff that he stored up had anyth- and did anything to save him. So the, the reality is, is that you immediately go, I don't want any of this stuff. It, it feels like acid on your skin that you realize that this is the stuff that binds you and keeps you in this world. And people will begin to reason with them. And this is the parable of sowing the seeds that you find this. And all of a sudden, the riches and the cares of the world and the things that you want in this world will come and choke away the, the gospel that you've found. So the things that where people will start reasoning with themselves and going, well, maybe I could just hang on to two houses of my three houses, or maybe I could just hang on to my car because, you know, I really like these things. And the thing is, is Steve, and I've had this conversation with you a number of times, and, and this is a process. This isn't something that you do overnight, is that the me factor in this, that you are so embedded in this world, the me factor – the me and I syndrome is so great that we begin saying, well, I'm this kind of person. When I hear somebody say that, well, I grew up Episcopal, I did this. These are accepted foundations of the matrix that you have accepted your programming. When you begin to identify yourself with how you were raised and what kind of school you went to, you're accepting those as attributes of yourself. 
You grew up that way. Christ didn't tell you, hey, die to yourself, but hey, keep that Episcopal school training, right? He didn't say that. He said, deny yourself. Deny it all. Die to yourself so then Father can show you who you are. If you're going to hang on to any of these attributes that you think you have, even if you think they're positive qualities, right? You think, I'm a very tenacious person. Tenacity in what? Tenacity in the world? You need to die to the thought that you think that you're tenacious. Die to all of that. And then, and only then, will the positive attributes of what the Father had established in you from, the, from before the foundation of this world, because you're much older than you know. So the positive attributes that he wants you to have, that he taught you to have for your goals, for the things that he has set for you going ahead, for the things that he set for you in advancing his kingdom, those attributes will be returned to you, but you will never claim them as yourself. So anytime you open your mouth, you will be – the things that, that come out of your mouth is what will condemn you, and it's what will, will free you. So how you speak, the things that you say, they'll condemn you. So when you say, I'm this kind of person, you're making that claim that even that positive attribute is somehow yours. That positive attribute isn't yours. You're a servant of the Father. You are made by him. You are completed by him. You are owned by him. That is you. You're his. Nothing of this world, even the good things that you think is your good quality, dump them. Die to them. Allow him to reestablish what he wants in you of those qualities. If it returns to you, then it's his. And when it returns to you, you'll never, ever, ever take credit for that quality. You will never assume the credit for that quality, and that's how you keep your ego out of the out of the equation. There, right, I'm off my I pulpit. Go ahead, a lot Steve. Of people, a lot of people will wonder how this process starts, and and one of those one of the, the key verses that always really answered that question for me was, I would rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. And what I took that to mean was. If I'm having a problem with, let's say, an idea or concept about the Father just doesn't wash with me, or I hear something the preacher says, or I, you know, I had a belief that I had, or whatever, and I don't, it just doesn't sit right with me. I go right to the Father and I'll tell him that straight up, yeah, and I'll be as cold as ice telling him about it, how disappointed I am, et cetera, et cetera, and the Father will respect that. And he'll also respect the hot one, like the one that comes to him with, like, man, I just saw how you are love and how that just blows my mind. He's good with that, too. Doesn't like is that person that straddles the fence and tries to play both sides of the fence. Either you want the truth That's, or you don't. I can promise you that when, if he has truly called you and he wants you by his side— as I mentioned, you heard at the beginning of this show, the calling of the Son of Man. That's something that I wrote from prison. Because I could tell you that when he's called you and he says, get rid of everything, when you try to dilly-dally around and you think that, oh, Lord, I've got this. Hey, Father, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I've got this. He will wipe you to pieces. He will destroy everything in you. And you will either survive it and understand that now you've become Job. Every character in the Bible, every single one of them is you. Every single one of you are Judas. Every single one of you are Peter. Every single one of you are James. Every single one of you are Yeshua. Every single one of you are Job. 
as you go through, this is the instruction book so you can understand what precisely goes on. There is nothing new under the sun, and only the arrogance and the ego of ourselves will allow us to think that somehow that the characters in the Bible don't represent who we are. The characters in the Bible are representing every attribute that is in mankind and all of the issues and how each one of them found the truth in what they were doing and found their flaws. Judas found his flaw because he wanted the money more, and then he found once he had done that and he turned that over and turned him over that he was sick. So sick he tried to give the money back, and when they wouldn't take the money back and he couldn't be rid of the things that he felt, he killed himself. So this is the reality of the situation. Hey, uh, Steve – We've got 55 minutes left on this show, so we've got a bunch of callers on here. Uh, I want to make sure that we get to them this time and get to some questions and that we have time to answer them, and uh, particularly uh, the ones that uh, want to call us heretics. So I want to hear from them if they're on here. Um, I don't have a, a, uh, a call screener today. I've only screened one call, so I'm just going to be picking up numbers. Uh, I'll say the number first, the area code, and the first three numbers. And uh, if you don't have a question you're just listening, just – you know, try to be respectful and let us know that right away so I can get to another caller. So I'm going to go to area code 567-322. You're on. Hello? Hello, Derek. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? What's your name? Yes. Hi. What's your name? I'm your million questions. I'm Dawn. What, what, I, I didn't hear your name. I'm sorry about that. Hold on. I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yes. Hello. What's your name? Dawn. Yes, I can hear you. Dawn. I'm your thousand Hello, questions. Hello, Dawn. Hi. You, how are you? You have a thousand tonight? questions. Well, we got good. How are you? Well, we have time for one. <laughs> one. I can't pick just one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking. I'm trembling. I'm crying. Oh, I'm I'm sorry about that. Oh, don't be Nothing nervous. To be, it... Nothing to be nervous about. We're we're all equals here. Okay, I understand. I understand. Uh, the deception. I've I've sorted that out. Okay, I understand it. You just threw a screw in my in in my my wheel when you said that. There's two gods, but one father. There's the God and the God, the one who claims to be God, and then there's the father of the universe. That just confused me. Okay. Well, it's, the confusion shouldn't be. Uh, Christ said that father, two right. gods in the garden that are interacting directly and physically with Adam and Eve, right, walking in the garden um, uh, being a, being a figure, being a physical entity, and being referred to as that were two very different. So consider these two. Uh, if you look at the cuneiform text, Enki and Enlil was, is precisely who these are. These are two gods, okay. the sons of God. So loved the Genesis says the sons of God so loved the daughters of man that they came came in under them. Bible porn, right? Came in under them and, right. and bore children, the Nephilim. Correct. So these are Correct. these are the fallen gods. They are sons of God. They are called gods. Now, their okay. story of these two feuding brothers, these two feuding brothers that have two very different gigs, okay? So let me tell you, Enlil was the Lord of Command, okay? So his job as a, as a son of God, an angel, okay, 
an angel of what we would see as an angel today. His job was Lord of Command, but he wasn't first here on Earth. In fact, Lord of Earth was his brother, Enki. Enki was Lord of Earth and was here before Enlil. He came here first, and Enlil was sent by their father after the fact. Okay, so he was sent here and given Lord of Command. The only reason that Enki had Lord of Command is because their law, their law, just the same way that we have issues with the Judaic law, the same way that Jesus had issues with the Judaic law, the misinterpretation of laws, the same thing was taking place even back then. There is nothing new under the sun. So Enki was given Lord of Command because he was firstborn of the specific bloodline. Okay, so Enki, or uh, sorry, Enlil was. Enlil was firstborn of a half sister of their father, which gave him kingship. But the first actual first birthborn was Enki. So Enki felt he had the right to be king. And Enlil said, no, the law says I'm king. So well, he was Enlil, even, Enlil was given the, the Lord of Command. That doesn't answer the question though, right? That's still confusing. I can still get how get how that's confusing, right? So it's always the, the, the real the real question the real question has to be what do we mean by the word God? So that's what I'm what trying to get at. That's what I'm trying to God, understand. Right. What you grew up thinking was was God, right? That word God was associated right. with beings that that were doing things like the Garden of Eden, and now we're learning we're, en- we're called Enyo and Enki back in the Sumerian. Those right. beings were called gods too. But think of them as I they were sons of God. Because they were, they were sons of God. Many. Yes, yes. So they were sons of God. That goes back so to uh, also Greek God. mythology. Right. Exactly. But this is what why they the Greeks Greek Greek mythology. Huh? But they, Pardon me? Also Norse mythology, also Roman mythology, also some Native American mythology, Hindu mythology. All of them have their super beings or superheroes are probably a better way to put it, right? We even worship right. them in a sense with our Marvel comics, right? We're, we're looking at these Correct. super beings that are yes. godlike powers. And that we might even call I'm trying to tell everybody that that that, that these 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 cartoon characters are not. I get where they're coming. I I understand. They're, they're all real. Yeah. Now, Steve, let, let me same. point out. So, every single one of these characters, okay, Inky and Enlil, throughout every single culture on Earth, throughout every single ancient carving, have different names. In the same way that the Hebrews renamed Noah from Zeasudra, which was his real name. To Noah, because that was a name that, that that's a Hebrew name, because they would name people. They done so, that with Jesus instance, and Yeshua. Yeah, it's like somebody. I mean, this is no different than somebody coming over, coming from over from Korea or China and giving themselves the name Joe Smith, right? Because it's an Americanized name. It's something that people are going to understand and won't have a problem pronouncing, right? Somebody's not going right. to, you know, you're not going to walk into your job and go, "My name is Gishavuguyeba," right? That they're the Americans <laughs> are going to go, "What?" Right, So they immediately give you a culture name. Every single right. culture, every single one of them have the exact same this characters where, known by their attributes. This is where the Muslims so, get Allah Akbar and, and Muhammad because they've changed the names. There's the same story, just changed the names, correct? 
Same same story. Allah Allah means Jehovah Yahweh. Allah in their Allah in in fact, it depends on who you're speaking to in in uh, in Islam, because if you actually look at the core teachings of Islam, and you understand what Islam even means, and it's a you know there's a there's a surrender, so they actually have. Um, in many ways, a far deeper understanding of the celestial bodies and the celestial system, and they'll speak about them in forms of alien. And so they they don't they they don't have, in fact, they don't have as many problems understanding this as Christians do. Christians have made the plastic Jesus on the cross. Never mind that the word says don't have any graven images, right? But but the Catholic Church is Correct. nothing but graven images. Okay, so. So the, the idolization amongst the church and the, the grandiose buildings and all of this is so pagan, is so worshiping these deities. They don't even believe in the Father. That's the I problem. understand you know pagan. That runs in? in my blood. The, yes. So the, the pagan institutions of the Catholic Church and the every religion today is honoring these pagan deities, is honoring the Enlil and the Inki. Okay, so Enlil, being that brother is the God, because obviously these are sons of God. They were quite powerful. When you read these ancient cuneiform texts, right, when you get into these things and you begin to understand the gravity of the technology and the things that are spoken of in these texts that far, far outdate the, the Torah, right, that far outdate the, the writing of the uh, Hebrew New, uh, Old Testament. They speak, okay. of celest- they speak of celestial chariots, that are powered by Correct. water. Now, that wouldn't make any That's sense a 100 years ago. No, this celestial That's chariot boat, powered yeah. by water. No, no, this isn't a boat. They're speaking of celestial okay. chariots that are traversing from one planet to the other, that are going through the asteroid belt. Okay, they're describing that the asteroid belt. would be the belt. alien spaceships. This would be an, an, an aircraft, a craft, a spacecraft. Correct. They're describing that okay, the fuel is water. The, that the fuel is water. These are texts that are, like I said, many thousands of years earlier. Now, here's the amazing part about this. Many thousands of years earlier, like I said, their fuel is water. We wouldn't know anything about that until we developed a space program where our rockets fly up with hydrogen, which is water. Water. Hydrogen is water. Right? It's byproduct. When it's burnt, it turns into water. So water is water. actually quite flammable when you turn it into hydrogen. So this is the whole point of these things, that we have been told this is why everything from, from ignoring UFO sightings, ignoring all of this stuff, ignoring the stars in the sky, ignore those things. The church has tried to avoid these truths. Why? Because they're power hungry. They want to control the people. They do not want you knowing any of this information. And when the things take place from a celestial standpoint and come up, the man's mind has been so reduced – so reduced to these truths hmm. that they will go into shock when all of this is revealed. When a planet comes and you literally have what you would consider aliens or these gods show up, when these things take place, you're going to see them, the whole world will see them as enemies. And as no, I haven't, I haven't made that determination. That's what I'm trying to figure out because I know they're coming. I know they're coming. I'm, I'm, I got caught up in trying to understand, am I supposed to run and hide, or am I supposed to go and, and hug? 
Well, this is the whole point. No, because you don't I understand. I understand mm-hmm. where 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 it all leads to. But who's the yes, who? The, <laughs> and this is the, and this is the whole point. The only one that you can count on telling you the truth in the whole thing is, is the, the Holy Spirit, which is the Helper, which was Christ, which was speaking to you from the Father. The source of this system. Imagine this. If I could just try to draw a picture for this picture of this for you. Imagine the Father is a radio station that is so far away and inside this matrix that we've been enslaved in, literally this prison system, that he has hackers hacking the system and broadcasting to you so you would hear that faint, faint, faint signal that you have to constantly be trying to retune and constantly adjust to hear him. That's him trying to save you. What we have coming upon this world right now is the single greatest rescue operation in the history of all universes. In the history of all universes. And he's begging you through these signals to hear his truth. And the only way you're going to be able to pass through the gate, the narrow gate, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is a few, remember, is to accept this truth. Know that when it comes that you keep your mind about you because I can promise you that when these things are revealed and what's coming upon this world are revealed to these people that are still sitting there fighting about whether Trump is good or Hillary is bad and all of this crap because it is nothing but distractions on behalf of the enemy. He wants everybody droned. He wants you. They're literally the walking dead. That's why Christ said, let the dead bury the dead that you have no concern for them, you cannot save them, that the only way that you can save them is saving yourself. And when the gate comes, you might be able to reach for them because the reality of this situation is you do become just like he said. They said that, that Christ is our Savior. Yes, and when you're in Christ, you are others' Savior. You replicate okay. what he did. It isn't a single man that did that. He's trying to show you the model of rescue, that you can't – none of those people will be saved. And when these things come upon the world, their minds will literally go into shock, and the vast majority of them will literally die of shock, of shock about what they see and what has been revealed to them. The shaking, I've, I've, I've kind of come to terms with. I think that's what, that, what the shaking is about, is the fact that – I listened to your video last night. I listened to it. The mm-hmm. fact that I'm accepting what I didn't think I would ever accept. And I am I correct or am I wrong? No, that's that's exactly it. That when you do okay. that, that is denying yourself, right? Cuz just what you said, you said the, you said the 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 two most dangerous words. I think. Remember correct. that you're well in your that in that in that that leads to another dangerous thought, which is the thought of, of repentance, which in the Greek is the word metanoia, which is not a guilt or shame word, by the way. Repent is a simple changing of one's mind from looking at things one way and looking at it from another way. So yes, turn that away from that it. That I've done. Me. Yes, yeah, repent. That I've done. Turn away I, from it. Yeah, to turn away from the ago, world. Two weeks ago, it was like something clicked and snapped in my head, and it's like, yeah, I get it, I get, I get it, I get it. I see, right. I that, see, I see, but I, I'm trying to understand what I see. 
Right. And and but here's hard, and like here's your, the best suggestion point, that the I reason, can. The reason the that best suggestion, Don, away, really quick. Cause... Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Steve. I just really quick. I just want to address that. So, Don, I can actually hear in your voice um, a a calmness now. First confusion, now calmness. These are the things that yeah. that you pay attention to when you find that peace. Right. When I say don't let anyone take your crown, that's that piece that the way that you think, the reason why they put the crown of thorns back on Christ's head, because that's the enemy saying you're not allowed to think outside of the thinking that we have forced upon you. That was a statement. Is that the that pressure crown of thorns. on my head? Yes. That would so be the pressure is, that I'm feeling. That's the crown of thorns, right? So the crown of thorns okay. is being jammed on your head. When I try to tell people that the which just precisely what scripture says okay it is taking place as we speak that if you want to place Christ over there just like he said he's over there he's over there he said don't believe them the kingdom is within you and the testimony of yeshua is the spirit of prophecy meaning it's a prophecy about you right now christ is here right now okay so the resurrection is now just like he said okay. that it would be like lightning strikes in the east and flashes in the west. So you're going through the same things. If you want to know what's going to happen, all you got to do is read read the scripture and put yourself in Christ's shoes and say, I'm That's him. what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that, the metaphor situation with, the, with, with everything that I'm re- I'm understanding. This is how I've even – Yeah, the whole thing is a metaphor. Everybody grasping the Bible is a metaphor. Reading it right. to begin with, the wording in the Bible is Old English. Most people don't know Old English. I don't know why I do, but I understand the language. I don't know how to talk Aramaic, but I understand the words that I read. That right. to me, well, no, Derek, that, I'm, that's I'm a spiritual thing. Uh, Derek, I got, I've got to jump off the call. I, I, I've got uh, some unexpected guests here, so. I'm going to jump off. I'm so sorry I have to leave, but I really enjoy being with you tonight. We're going to do it again soon, man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to uh, get on to some other callers and uh, and uh, say goodbye to Don here. I I, I love your call, uh, Don. I appreciate the question, Steve. Thanks for joining. Love you much. Talk to you soon. Love you too, um, man. So, uh, thank Don, you, Derek, uh, for all. Yes, of course, of course, absolutely. I want to want to be able to answer you know any question I possibly can, and um, I want to get to some others here so we that I make sure that I cover some. But uh, stay in touch, uh, you know, in your comments, emails, however you can stay in touch with me, and I'm going to try to do more of these podcasts. It's right now things are pretty busy, um, and uh, just trying to get everything together, and and also continue to put out the messages that I'm asked to put out because my my instructions are very very specific. I can't explain it any, any more than that, that, um, that I am. Yeah. I I pay very, very close attention. I take it very seriously. You know, I tell people all the time, (laughs) if you see me sitting and doing nothing, don't come up and bother me. I'm not doing nothing. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm always in meditation. I'm always in prayer. I'm always paying attention to what the father needs me to say. And, 
you know, I, I, I try to point people to the movie The Matrix and say, you know where Neo's on the phone and, and they're giving him directions and saying jump left and go right and go through the door? That's me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just – and that will be you too, right? So that's what you want to try to pay attention to. Once you tune into, the, tune into that distant frequency I'm talking about, believe me, you're going to start doing things that, that don't seem rational. And he's going to say go over there and talk to that person, and you'll be like, what? I, I, I would never – I'm already going person. through that. I'm already going yep, through that. Yep. Awesome. Well, I appreciate I'm, it. I, I appreciate it, Don. All right. Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Derek. You're my blessing. Oh, thank you. Uh, you are mine. So I'm going to go to uh, another caller here. I'm going to go to area code 607-235. You're on. Hi. Krista here. Krista, hi, Krista. I was, yeah, I was, I was reading the um, Old Testament, and when the Lord God is introduced, Genesis two, um, as you know, as this is a historical, you could say Judeo-Christian text as a whole. Um, I began seeing the Lord God as really uh, who Christ was trying to teach the people before he, it became really necessary to actually embody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know other people may not hold that, and uh, that's okay. But um, there are many times that, I mean, the main theme was obedience. You know, and it still is. It hasn't changed. So, it hasn't. Um, huh? No, it, it hasn't, hasn't changed at all. No, it it's it's obedience, but it, but obedience to what? Obedience to the world or obedience to the Father and His attributes? That's the problem that we have. Well, I, I think uh, Christ in that form as Lord God, obedience to the Father, but the people were even, uh, I mean, I, I think you say, oh, well, we're like them. Well, many, in many cases, when you read it, it is because they're, they're speaking directly and they're earnest and they're sincere and you can really resonate, with, one can resonate with that. that uh, you know, and they're in the midst of it. Um, so, but I definitely, I have read some of the, I think it's one of the apocryphers, one of, uh, Adam and Eve, where it talks about them being lured uh, down uh, to come down, and, and you know, once you come down, you can never come back up. It, you know, and they had to learn that the hard way. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar and read any of those texts. Uh, the, are but you you're, are that. you speaking of the the Sumerian text? Because that's that's also within the Sumerian text. No, I'm text not. No, the... I'm not. I'm speaking of the apocryphers oh. and. Uh, I mean, the Sumerian oh, yeah, the text, Apocrypha. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at what's his name had a office at six 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 Fifth Avenue. I mean, I just, you know, you gotta wonder. <laughs> but anyway, Sitchin, you know, and um, yep. But I, I'm just going to. I think it was the Apocrypha where it talks about how you know there was really hardly anything left of the first uh, family. And um, and you know they uh, 
some of the some of them were lured down, I think, by music, okay? And this is what you call the arts or, you know, what the snake had to offer, all the craftiness and the arts and all the magic and the and you know uh, the other part I how I look at it in terms of the um you know where it is mentioned uh, gods in the bible the other gods and the people went after their other gods and they disobeyed and they went back to their other gods and they're back worshiping their idols and doing probably but you know I see for example uh when he asked Abraham to uh, sacrifice his son it was a test I see it as a test I see this. Are you really think I'm I'm that God? <laughs> you know that that your people worship. He just wanted to see the sincerity of uh, how true is this man. I mean, it was a test of loss, not a test of, uh, you know. I really try to get a higher level picture of not just from my egoic point of view of is this a nice God or not. I try to get the picture of what was. What took so long? What's going on? Why is this going on and on and on? So, you know. So you're, anyway, are, that's, are you, I'm just calling to give my you, opinion. and understand. And let, oh, okay. And let others, uh, you know, do what they will, uh, believe what they will. But, you know, I don't want to see that egoic uh, sense of who I am rise up again or have to entertain it in other people's. Um, scripts, you know. I I just I just I just wanted to let you know where I'm at. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So um, I'm going to go to. Uh, I, I'm not quite certain the. Uh, there was a lot of statements there that I couldn't really necessarily address, but uh, I can tell you that um, Father, Creator of all things, does not uh, need to test you. You get tested by yourself. Uh, you test yourself against yourself. Um, he would never say, uh, hey, I'm going to test you if you're going to go over there and, uh, and sacrifice your child. I'm going to have you. I'm going to actually make you evil so I can then say, ha I'm just kidding. Um, anyone that thinks that that is the father, then they have no idea who the father is. Because the Father, it's kind of like when, when you have these people that also reference that Father God, well, he killed an animal and sewed together clothing for Adam and Eve. Well, this is, this is the Father, the creator of all things, that made everything out of nothing happen, but then somehow has to go kill an animal and sew together clothing to put on his, cre- uh, his creation. So these things do not uh, coincide with the description of the Father. When something coincides with the description of Lucifer, well, then this is him putting his name God. This is why you'll read in Genesis, you'll see, and God did this, and then you'll see, and Lord God did this. You see variations of these names. These variations of names are different entities. So I'm going to go to another caller. Uh, let's go to uh, area code 951 918. 951 you're on. Hello? Hi. Hi. Wait, what's your name? Uh, what's just, your question? Uh, my name is David. Um, and I had a question. Uh, been, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, my question was, uh, would tarot be unbiblical? 
Would would say say that again? Would tarot be unbiblical? Using tarot. Oh, tarot. You mean as in tarot cards? Well, yeah. here's the whole thing. Everything can be used. First of all, there is no such thing as something that wasn't created by Father. Everything is created by the Father, but gets inevitably corrupted. Now, the tarot cards are obviously. Um, uh, in fact, here, here's. Let me just explain this. If you look at the characters on the deck of cards that you play poker with, you're going to find every single pagan symbol within them. So there's far more paganism about about the enemy within the deck of cards that you play poker with than there actually is within within tarot cards. Now, with that said, you read through the Bible of casting lots quite often, right? Just like people see signs and in, in numbers and on you know seeing nine one one or seeing eleven eleven or seeing one two three four um, or seeing number progressions constantly. These are ways, as I said, that the Father is a way, any way he can communicate with you and convey his message, he's going to do it. To say something that he can't use something. He created everything. Everything is his. So mm-hmm. I will never discount anybody using something that, that Father would say, no, I won't use that. The only thing, in fact, if anybody thinks that the Father wouldn't use tarot cards, then they have to immediately look at the book of Job and then go, if he doesn't, if he wouldn't use tarot cards to, to convey a message to somebody, then why would he actually use Satan to go and wipe out Job on his behalf? Right? So, well, right. he'll use Satan, but he won't use cards, right? Here's the problem with it. Just the same thing I will Neither. say with anybody else when it's, when it comes to cannabis or mushrooms or psychedelics or any of those things or tarot cards or anything All else. Questions. That there is a that there is a danger in anything when you're not in the spirit of Christ. When you don't know the voice that's speaking to you and you can't accurately discern the, uh, the, the message through the attributes of the Father and through the attributes of Christ and the Holy Spirit. If you can't, mm-hmm. then you are going to be putting yourself in danger because those will be used to give you messages. When you are not completely, completely within Christ, I wouldn't touch any of it. Because it's not yeah. as though he needs those cards to speak to you, right? He doesn't need no, he those doesn't. cards to speak. Yeah. yeah so I, it's, I, I, not to say that, not to say because I could tell you right now, David, a tarot card was used in my in my process. I didn't go seeking it, but I could tell you that during this process, I walked onto my property and somebody had parked a truck on my property, and the back was filled with hay and was and had broken eggs and had a big death card and all the tarot cards spread out, and I couldn't figure out oh, wow. who it was. And that moment was the single single most profound moment of my transition that I was wiped out right then. I completely, the death card showing, it's like I was put to death on the spot. Yeah. It was incredible. So I didn't say, hey, I'm going to go have my you know, tarot cards read. I literally walked to my property no. and somebody had... I don't know whether they were casting a spell on me, but whatever took place at that point in time, there was a transition that I was wiped out, and I got that truck off my property as fast as I possibly could. But so, wow. I hope that answers your question. Uh, yeah, it kind of does because uh, you know it's actually you, you touched on many other things that I have questions about. You know, you know, such as uh, numbers. I've been seeing different sequences of numbers, not so, not always. You know, like for example, three 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 or two two two, but you know, I've seen, you know, my, the, not my full birthday, but my birthday is 721. I've been seeing that, uh, like every time I look at the clock or every time, you know, I, I, not every time, but, you know, quite often, uh, scary often. Um, 
and uh, I know seven and seven is God's number, and and three is the Trinity, and three times seven is twenty-one. So I'm like, okay, and you know, a lot in other numbers, and uh, as far as my question with the tarot, it was a dream I had a while ago, and. Uh, yeah, I, and I've you know I've been following your videos. I've been you know, and, and there's I have so many questions, and I feel led to you know, I, I, <laughs> so much. So oh my gosh, that's great. Thank you, Derek. Yes, sir. I appreciate you calling. So uh, I'm going to go to the next caller, area code five zero one three zero three. I like those uh, three zero three. Five or sorry, five one zero three zero three five one zero three zero three. You're on. Hello, I just had a question about worship. I give honor and glory to God. He is awesome. Thank you, Lord God, for answering my questions through um, um, Derek and this broadcast and the questions of other people. Um, my whole thing about having ambition. I've already emailed you and stuff, and I've been through a whole lot. Um, having become disabled from a car accident and um, endured a um, coma on life support. And I am so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity to to listen and to live and to actually do what he, to actually live out the life, to seek him, to seek him and to be obedient. And I'm trying to actually get um, more clarity about getting disciplined with, because, you know, in this world we get all kind of messages thrown at us. And so I'm planning on going back to graduate school and um, trying to, you know, become a social worker. At first, you know, it went against all my ego and everything like that after, because, you know, that's a big part of becoming disabled. You, Your your whole identity is questioned. Like, I can't be cute anymore. What? <laughs> so yeah. now I'm here and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to stay busy by his grace, by his, by his mercy. I'm not in an institution, I'm super, 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 super thankful. And so, um, but with all my um, sinful carnal nature, how do I stay disciplined? I mean, I've taken shahada. I've been, I was raised in Catholicism. I've been to the Holiness Church. I'm I'm black and um, mixed with other ethnicities and my mixed um, heritage. But all of these, with all these different um, messages how do you stay disciplined and and clear and and patient on wait on him you know yeah oh it is absolutely daily this is why it's the daily dying right so you wake up i always say this i go the very first thing i do is wake up i say good morning father uh what do you have to show me today show me uh and kill me again Amen. Right, kill me again, and basically kill me, because because I I know that this flesh is going to be you know have a whole lot of demands put on it, and it's going to make demands right. of me. But the 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 discipline, the the greater discipline is not so much. Um, it, when you say the flesh, it's going to be manifest, just like you know Christ said, is that your tongue, your mouth, mm-hmm. is the is the weapon, right? It is either going mm-hmm. to free you or it's going to mm-hmm. kill you. I try to explain mm-hmm. this to people all the time. A massive, massive ship, okay, these huge cargo vessel, vessels, the biggest ships in the world, are, are driven around, and they are guided by this tiny little rudder, the tiniest mm-hmm. little thing 
on that ship guides and turns that whole ship. That's your tongue, right? So watch your tongue that what you speak. So, and I'll give you an example of, of how, how adverse we are to discipline. Now there was a, there was a gentleman, there was a gentleman that, um, that uh, wrote me and that was a, a follower. Now, this is the whole thing. This is where I try to explain mm-hmm. that when you're in Christ, when somebody mm-hmm. is fully in Christ, they're not going to be very easy. If you're not fully in Christ, that person that's fully in Christ is not going to be easy to be around, right? Because no. I won't accept, I won't accept mm-hmm. anyone bringing me back into the world. When he's killed right. me to the day and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in the spirit, someone that wants to yank me back in the world and try to make me angry or somebody that will come right. up and all they'll do Somebody, all they'll do is complain about, you know, a relative or, you know, my stupid girlfriend and this and that, 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 that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'll literally, I'll stop them and I'll go, why are you bringing me that? <laughs> what you want me to share in your misery. Now, if you want to right. come and ask from a spiritual perspective how you should do that, but to come with this ego, it's like, it's literally like a demon walking up and it is the demon in them. Right, And so I'll give you a perfect example of where this took place in Scripture. When Peter's ego, when Christ said that he would mm-hmm. had to be killed, and Peter said, far be it for you to say that, I will never let that happen. The I <laughs> in the statement is why he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Right, because right. The I, the mere fact, the mere, yes, the mere fact that Peter thought that he could do anything, that he Mm-mm. controlled anything, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. That he you could give it to the God. Father's hand. You got to give that away. He's like, get away from me with that eye crap. Okay, so right. this person came up to me, and they they're like, and they listen to a show, and they're like, mm-hmm. your ego is crazy big now. You, I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, ego? I was like, you mean you mean doing something that gets me attacked and 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 that it's ego, right? That somehow right. I I want myself exalted. I can't stand when people say thank you because it's not me. It's the father. So. These are the types of things mm-hmm. where I say, don't thank me. I appreciate mm-hmm. your, your sentiment, but I'm, mm-hmm. I stay away from, I try to stay away from any kind of exaltation, right? Because the flesh is the flesh, but I still not thought about, about it. And, and uh, yeah. And I thought about his statement and I read his statement thoroughly and he didn't give an example as to what it was. Now, here's what we do is we, as people project onto others, what we think we would be doing right so when they mm-hmm. read the comments and they read the accolations you know the accolades and they read the adoration or anything like that they automatically mm-hmm. think that my ego is getting inflated because <laughs> their ego would be inflated right mm-hmm. so they project that mm-hmm. onto me we do not know anything that we don't already know and that you know yourself but this person mm-hmm. doesn't know me from adam so mm-hmm. how would he know that my ego was changed so immediately you your discernment of how people judge you and the mm-hmm. other thing is there wasn't any productivity to what he said which said that he was speaking out of his own ego and projecting onto me now with that said we do these things that we judge somebody and we we create the justifications in our mind and so mm-hmm. when somebody says to me how do you discipline somebody or how do you correct them most of the time, mm-hmm. I correct somebody when they do something by not saying anything at all, completely mm-hmm. ignoring the fact that they just said something. I let them hear their own words rather than repeating them because what happens is is you immediately run into the ego of that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
the minute you respond to it, there's conflict, and that's the enemies, right? So uh, the mm-hmm. second that there's conflict, that's precisely why Christ responded in the way that he did when he would challenge him or do something. He didn't allow his mm-hmm. ego to respond. He, uh, he would ask a question. So that's mm-hmm. precisely how I right. answered this. I said, I said um, is there anything within your statement that is corrective or is it criticism? Um, is there anything that you could possibly know about me and my ego if you don't know me? Mm-hmm. Is you know, and so I ask questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, this mm-hmm. guy lost it, flipped out. Mm-hmm. You turned this yeah. around for me, and blah blah blah. <laughs> so I asked him questions about what he did, and he flipped right. So that told me mm-hmm. right away that he was an ego. Because if the thing is with you, if if I see that you're doing something. Um, that that isn't in Christ, and and you're around me, and we're trying to be in Christ, mm-hmm. and we're trying to live a, a life mm-hmm. of that. I'm not going to point mm-hmm. my finger at you. What I'm going to say is I'm going to sense that something's going on in you, and say mm-hmm. you're on my heart today. I feel you know your heart is my heart is heavy for you today, so I'm going to pray for you, or can I help you with something? Right? I'm not going mm-hmm. to accuse you of something because how would I possibly know what you're going through when I make an assumption? I become the enemy. When we assume anything about anybody, we become the enemy, exalting ourselves, putting ourselves on the throne, calling ourselves God because, hey, we know exactly what's going on, right? So the discipline that we have, this discipline that we must have is the circumcision of the tongue. And it is better to just pay attention to what it is. And before you know it, you're walking around, you go into Costco, and you're literally walking around a bunch of demons that are so self-consumed mm-hmm. and judging mm-hmm. each other as they go by. You can't wait to get mm-hmm. back in the car and get out of there and have okay. your solitude again. <laughs> exactly. Right? So you immediately realize just how narrow this gate is and just how few mm-hmm. there truly are. And I love how that. How do I you can say hear discipline? You say the way that you stay disciplined is by a, a daily reminder of it and a minute by minute. right it's and immediately when you do something now this is the most the best way that I can put it to you is that the enemy is also the great accuser right so mm-hmm. if you do say something that you're like ah oh, gosh dang it right you <laughs> and let the spirit of Christ be the accuser in you in fact then you immediately realize that Christ forgives you for it. You don't have to ask God to forgive you. Mm-hmm. When people are like, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Father, you know, Father, forgive me. He already forgave you. Because here's the <laughs> best news about all of this. Okay, The best news that I can give everybody. The gospel is this. None of this is your fault. None of this mm-hmm. is your fault. You're captive. Mm-hmm. This is captivity. Mm-hmm. You don't Mm-hmm. Somebody grabbed you, threw you into this, right? The enemy took mm-hmm. you and placed you here. None of the flesh, none of this stuff is your fault, but it is yours mm-hmm. to get rid of, right? So Hallelujah. don't allow this. Don't allow this to impact you. Don't allow this to bring you down. Don't allow the great accuser to be alive in you, sitting you, accusing you, telling you what a nasty person you are. Accept mm-hmm. the forgiveness the Father has already granted you. Accept it. Throw all of it over the cliff. Die to yourself. And anybody else accuses you, anyone else accuses you of anything, deny that accusation. You don't have to deny it to their face. Deny it in your heart and go, I know that's not true. I'm forgiven. 
accepting the forgiveness is the only way that you can forgive them and immediately get to forgiving Mm -hmm. them for even saying that. And that's where the statement is when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because just because Mm -hmm. just because they're doing it doesn't mean that that you get to judge them, because if you've judged them, then you judge yourself because they're the exact same as you are here where Mm -hmm. it is not their fault either. Judge the Mm -hmm. cause of that problem. Begin to look at Amen. everybody as the result of the cause, and the cause is the yeah. enemy. So get angry at the enemy. Don't get angry at that person. <laughs> Become compassionate for them. In fact, in many ways, I have compassion for the enemy mm-hmm. because he's here. He was cast down here. He's here. He doesn't have an option. This is his world. He has to do this. He knows so I even have lose. compassion. <laughs> and he knows that. I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad for this dude. Like, right? I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> you have to make this. I feel bad for everybody. So I don't yeah. get angry at that person. What I do is I feel tremendous sadness that somebody cannot mm-hmm. take correction in that thing. Because the last thing that I'm trying to do is make somebody feel bad. I don't want anybody to feel bad. But at the same time, you you're going to feel bad about something before mm-hmm. you feel better. It has to convict your heart before you can forgive yourself mm-hmm. and dump it. Right? So when mm-hmm. somebody, I always know somebody that is in Christ where they'll say something and I'll go, well, there was a whole lot of me in that comment. And is what's, and then mm-hmm. I'll say, what's going on? And they'll go, Oh, you know what? You're so right. Forgive me. And I go, I don't hold anything against you. I just wanted to make you aware that that, that, felt a whole mm-hmm. lot like a me comment and and you brought that so it it's basically mm-hmm. how how you gently like it says you know in love correct your brother right. in love correct right. them. not in a judgmental that in love correcting is wow um what's going on what's going on that because mm-hmm. there was a whole lot of me and i know the last person that you want you to be involved in is you right you want the father to be alive <laughs> in you so Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's gentle, and and this is where humility comes in. Let me let me just say this: people that think because they have nothing in this world that they're humble, that is a mm-hmm. grave mistake. When somebody says, mm-hmm. "What do you mean I'm uh, What do you mean I'm not humble? I don't have anything. I uh, I sleep on the street. I'm homeless." I was like, "Man, the most arrogant people I've ever met in my life were homeless people, mm-hmm. because they've built up." such a facade around them about mm-hmm. how good they mm-hmm. are and how everybody else is bad. They have more attitude than anyone. The mm-hmm. lack of things in this world does not make humility. What humility is, is making yourself less than everybody else, mm-hmm. that they can mm-hmm. step on you, right? That they're allowed mm-hmm. to step on you. My attackers, I attack me, but I sit and beg them to, you know, you, you're attacking me, but you're not attacking me. You're attacking me with things of my past. Right? You're attacking mm-hmm. the things in my past that I'm forgiven for. Yet you say that you mm-hmm. believe in Christ who, who spoke of the forgiveness, but yet I'm not allowed to be forgiven. So what you're doing is you're projecting that onto yourself. You're projecting mm-hmm. your unforgiveness, your lack of belief in him wow. onto me. And so I feel, <laughs> I feel compassion for them. I'm like, you don't believe in him because if you believed mm-hmm. in him, you wouldn't be accusing me of sins from my past. Mm-hmm. If you believed wow, in the forgiveness that is offered, wow. yeah. If you believed in the forgiveness that is offered, you would believe that I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. But you don't, and all you're doing is testifying against yourself. 
And so mm-hmm. I just go, oh, my gosh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. So that's, wow. the, that's the daily discipline. It's a daily, it's a, it's a daily uh, um, not daily beating up on yourself. Don't ever think that beating up on yourself is going to be useful. It's a daily right. edifying of yourself, knowing that Father is in you, and he wants you every day to understand his love and forgiveness. Every day. He doesn't hold anything against you. That's why Christ said, the Father judges no one. He's reserved that for the Son. That is you. Amen. Make you know the stuff that's going on in the world is crazy. Oh, it's crazy. There's no question about that. And it's it's crazy, but, you know. It's hard not to look, but you have to just stay focused, and that takes discipline. Because Satan knows we're going to be like, wow, really? (laughs) Because he knows all of those are natures. Yep, all of those are distractions. Thank you. And and, yeah, somebody wants to talk to me about politics. I'm like, why? Why? Because (laughs) Donald Trump is going to save the world? No. No. None of that makes any. Yeah. Let me let me tell you exactly Mm -hmm. how powerful Donald Trump will be when when a celestial body cracks through this and and the land is moved and mountains are removed, just like Scripture says. How powerful do you think Mm -hmm. he's going to be? They want to give you the mm-hmm. illusion that they have power on the planet. They don't have power over anything. Trust me. Father Hello. returning into this place and correcting this, all of that power is completely wiped out. Isn't he awesome? <laughs> he is absolutely yes. fabulous and awesome. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. Thank you. I love you much. Thank you for calling. Peace. All right. I only have uh, six minutes left. I'm going to try to take one more. Area code eight. Uh, area code eight one zero two four seven. Thank you, love you much. Thank you're, you for calling. All right. I eight one zero two. Six minutes left. I'm going to try to take one more. Area code eight. Uh, you got to turn down your radio. Hello. Hello. You got to turn down your. Hi. You got to turn down your radio. I turned it down. Okay. Hi, What's your name? Angela. Angela, hi Angela, how are you? I'm good. I can't believe you actually answered my call. This oh, is why just, not? You're blowing, this whole thing is blowing my mind, okay? When I when I logged on and, and it says, we will talk about David, and then a person called in and his name was David, and he was <laughs> in the tarot cards. I mean, the whole thing, I've been sitting here with goosebumps this entire time. And I know you only have a few minutes, so I'm going to be really quick. Um, okay. I'm 55. I live alone. Um, my son, David, my only child, took his life. And then mm. a month later, my brother died. And then eight months after that, the guy I was with for 19 years, by the way, he looks exactly like you. He oh. died on his motorcycle. <laughs> He died on his motorcycle. This happened all in one year. Okay. And um, talk about an enlightening experience. I actually mm-hmm. died. I mean, sure. I prayed to die. Every night when I went to bed, yep. I prayed, don't let me wake up. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try not to cry. But... Throughout all of it, there's been so many signs, and I feel like my son was very intelligent, um, and 
I was of the world. I was in the world. I was worldly. I did. I was ignoring. I grew up going to church. I've always trusted God, prayed my whole life. Um, I'm very spiritual. I don't go to any religious foundational church. Um, I watch your videos all the time. I love them. And um, I just feel like it's almost not a question, but like a statement for anybody that's listening um, that, you know, when when you lose a child, I lost another child. My first daughter died from crib death. So okay. I'm I don't have any children and I'm fifty five. And I'm when my son first took his life, I all I could do is scream out loud, Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you doing this to me? I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Um uh-huh. and it's all the medication these these kids are getting put on. And now they're trying to push them on me, and I won't take them yeah. because I want to keep my brain. I want to keep my – I can't do that. I mean, I have to be able to think clearly, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm you just are. so happy that you answered the call, and it, it just blows my mind because it, underneath your – it says, we will be talking about David – and then a guy called in, and his name was David, and my son did tarot cards, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, I hope he picks up my call. Um, <laughs> to all the parents that are listening that have – my son was 33, too, by the way. The day, that's the age Jesus so-called died. Um, yeah. And um, there's just so many <clears throat> things that – I feel like, almost feel like my son saw me that I was so in the world and so um, I I was a professional woman, worked at Chrysler, made awesome money, and now I'm PTSD and I'm about to be homeless because Mm -hmm. I can't function. I cannot, I can't, I've tried to go back to work and I can't focus. I can't do my job, and so I'm let go. Um, but it, I think that in my own heart of heart, I feel like my son did this because he wanted to wake me up. And I am absolutely wide awake. I am, like, not even the same person. I'm not even close to the same person I used to be. And that's a good it, thing. It is a good thing, but it's scary. It because is. Because I'm, well, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. I have no family. I have no children. I have no grandchildren. And I keep saying, "What is? why am I here, God? Why are you leaving me here? I don't want to be here. I want to be with my baby. Well, you have, a whole, you have a whole family here. First of all, let me just tell you that the people that you love – and this is for everyone out there, that I can promise you that according to every single ancient scripture, first of all, you were before the foundation of the world. You are already an eternal soul. Nobody is lost. When you think about our children and think that we think that we own our children and everything, we are, all, we are all part of the same family, that when all of this is over, you are going to find out that you never, ever lost anyone, that they right. are still here. Right. 
They are still around. Yes, and yes, believe I me, do. the story yeah, of Job. This, yeah, and the story of Job is your story. So I would recommend really reading that because the father sends the enemy to Job to wipe him out because that's what yeah. that's what the calling looks like. If you heard the beginning, the intro to this. And if you didn't, you can listen yeah. to it uh, when I repost it on YouTube. The calling of the Son okay. of Man is also your calling right now, right? That he wipes you out, that he knows what I it's going been, to take. I have been wiped out. Yes. I yes. And he knows what it's going to take. Out. Yes. And he knows what it's going to take. That that calling is so crystal clear that he, he – he refines you like fine gold and brings you to his side. That's the point. And he sends his angels to do that. That's what that's what the, the story of Job is about. It is a beautiful yeah, story. And remember that, that yeah, that everything is returned to Job. That when you understand what he's doing in you and you understand the purpose that he has you go through that for, you you have to be amazed in that story and understand that how everything is returned to him. Everything. It doesn't say that, that other sons and daughters were returned to him. It says that all of them were returned to him, and everything was returned to him, and then some. So there is – you have wonderful things to look forward to and also a confirmation of the calling because nothing happens by accident, Angela. Nothing. Nothing is a coincidence. Know. You know, believe, and being wiped I, I, out – I agree. Yeah. Great. Being away from my children. I live a a very lonely life. I mean, I don't go out of my house. I'm afraid. I, I, I shake. I'm. I don't want to be here, Derek. I just don't want to be here. Well, I know. Well, time is short. But you have you have a friend in me. You have a brother in me, and you have a lot of this family out. You just know that I'm always here for you, and that everyone else that is uh, that is paying attention to this right now and everyone that follows this and everybody that is is finding the father they're all there for you and there's there will be a place um, that you'll be able to come that you'll be able to find solitude you'll be able to find rest you'll be able to find the answers um angela i'll make sure that you're uh that you are um that you that i maintain uh, you in my prayers every single day that I lift you up every single day. Thank you. I pray that he's going to show you the things that you need to show. Most importantly, show you why, what your purpose is. Because once you understand his purpose, your testimony becomes powerful. So allow him to rise up in you and allow your testimony to become that, that when somebody else thinks that they that they don't have any, that they've got problems in their life, you show them the glory that you have in the Father, that you've made it through, and that you, in finding the beauty in it, your testimony becomes one of the most powerful things for the Father. Yeah, I've been told that by my therapist. She's a Christian. She's amazing. She goes, you, well, you, you always have seminars. She's like, you need to do seminars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, well I'm not quite like email that. This, no, this, this is going to kill our uh, episode here. It's going to automatically cut me off, so I can't do anything about that. I love you very much. Please email me. I love uh, you too. My, uh, email, my email address is in there. Make sure you email me, and um, and I'll call you and check on you from time to time. Make sure that uh, make sure that uh, if you have any other questions or just need prayer or want to pray with me, then I'll be happy to do that. Thank you, and God bless you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks so much, everyone, for joining. The uh, episode is going to end pretty quick here. I love you very much. Thank you for joining. And uh, tomorrow we should have uh, I should have another video up. uh, Father providing uh, that he gives that to me. I love you very much. Take care of yourself. Stay in love.